Welcome to Leaning Forward, where experts come together to make schools better for, for all, all of us. us. Brought to you by the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence in partnership with educators everywhere. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Leading Forward. Joining us today is Dr. Chris Hartley, Superintendent of Schools for the Humboldt County Office of Education. Prior to becoming the superintendent at the county office, Chris served as a teacher and administrator with vast experiences in alternative education, supporting some really amazing districts in his part of the state. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Nicole. Tell folks a little bit more about Humboldt County and the students that you serve. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure. Um, so if you're not familiar with Humboldt County, we're, we exist what folks call behind the Redwood Curtain. And so we're on the far northwest part of California, right on the coast. It's absolutely beautiful. We get a lot of tourists here in the summertime and other parts of the year. But with that, you know, we're very rural. We're very out there. We actually serve um, about 18,000 students. And what's interesting about that, for 18,000 students, we actually have 31 school districts. So our districts range from our largest being over 3,000 to our smallest school district right now actually has eight students. And so we have a very diverse situation around just not only our, our geographic situation, but also in the communities and the districts that we serve. Humboldt County isn't that unique, really. I mean, our, our beauty is certainly unique but 30% of the nation's schools are really actually in rural communities. And about a third of the total nation's school children come from rural communities. So it's not, it's different to hear about, well, 31 school districts, but it's not entirely off the charts different than the rest of the nation. I didn't realize it was a third of all the kiddos that are in a rural setting. Yeah, when you add it up, it's pretty significant when you take a look at that across the country. But, well, absolutely. Um, and I feel like a lot of times when I think about the challenges of education, I'm probably not the sort of challenges of what it means to run a entire district with eight students. Help listeners sort of wrap their mind around what that might mean, because that, in my mind, is almost not enough for even a single classroom, let alone all the things that go into operating an entire district. Oh, that's a great question. So yeah, there's a lot of rewards and there's a lot of you know areas that are very complex. And a lot of them revolve around, quite honestly, equity issues. So there's a couple of things with that question. One is just the daily grind of how do you operate a school with such a small, obviously small staff. So with seven students, you're talking maybe you know one to two teacher slash superintendent principal plus another individual. You got to have a couple of folks there. Um, you might even have a community volunteer helping to clean the facility and do maintenance and take care of landscaping, a lot of volunteerism. But the challenge is you can think about just like a multi-grade classroom. How do you teach today's curriculum with a couple of folks? And with those seven kids, you could have a kindergartner, a fourth grader, a couple sixth graders, and then that little eighth grader who can't wait to leave and go to high school. You know, you think about a K-8 experience for that setting. It's lovely, but it has definitely its set of challenges. You have to be a jack of all trades to some degree, but that creativity that has to come into play is a big part of of figuring out ways to meet those challenges and and different opportunities like that. Yeah, so my mind, when you say eight students, multi-age classrooms, oscillates between this nostalgic vision of the one-room schoolhouse and, you know, the teacher with the bonnet and juxtaposed to that, 
highly technology enhanced in order to have kids work at their own level. Are both of those happening? Are neither of those happening? Do I just have completely the wrong picture of what this all means? Well, I think that goes to one of the challenges around equity for rural communities, and that is actually access to good technology. So when you think about the geographical nature of Humboldt County, uh, the fact is a lot of our families and communities do not have access to the internet. So you think about access to the internet, particularly now during this pandemic, where we've been relying on online teaching and learning heavily. And you think about the disparity of communities like in, in parts of my county where internet's not available. It's like internet really should be seen as a utility. So these folks have had to be super creative and really lean on each other to create curriculum that's accessible for all of their students not only by grade, but by ability level and differentiating instructions so that it works for everybody. Some of the ways that they do that is part of the creative solutions and part of the great things about being rural. And that's a lot of project-based learning, a lot of taking advantage of your environment around you and integrating that into your standardized curriculum. So getting out of the internet, getting off of the computer is a beautiful thing. You get outside, get your hands dirty, integrate, your science and English curriculum, your math curriculum. How are you integrating the learning experiences across all subject matters so that it's relevant and it's taking advantage of the world around you? So that's a beautiful thing about rural communities is I think you've got great opportunities to, to do those sorts of things. One of our previous guests on the show was Tom Vanderark, and he was speaking about the importance of place-based, community-based learning. So what you're saying is really resonating around how do you get young people to really get involved in their community and have an impact? Since you brought up project-based learning, is there a project or a, a district in your community that stands out where you're going, you're not going to believe it. Here is what happened. Share a story of what has worked, whether during the pandemic or even before. Oh my gosh. There's so many different examples that come to mind right now. I guess I could come up with two examples right now. We're actually working on a partnership in Taiwan to connect our indigenous student populations here with indigenous student populations in Taiwan. And that's just been through some professional networking that we've done here at the county office. And we've got schools in some of our most rural um, communities. One is Klamath Trinity School District, and it is on the Hoopa Reservation. And so we'll be working with them to connect students from the Hoopa tribe to those students that are in indigenous tribes in Taiwan, through basically through the use of technology and the internet. But there'll be shared curriculum, shared stories, and trying to make personal connections in that way. That's one project. Another one is there's a company out of Maine that is going to be moving here to do fish populations. And so it's a fish production industry where they actually raise salmon. And so we're doing a lot of work with salmon in the classroom. And so something that we've been doing here for a long time is the salmon in the classroom program, where essentially you have salmon eggs in an aquarium in your class. And the kids are a part of the process of watching those eggs mature and eventually hatch into smolt, into baby salmon. And then they get released into the rivers and, and that sort of thing. And so we're going to be taking a curriculum that has existed like that and connecting it to this industry partner who's going to be coming here to actually grow salmon as an industry. And there's so many connections between the classroom, curriculum, jobs, sustainability, environmentalism, conflict over should you be raising salmon anyway. And so there, it's just a myriad of things that you get to weave into those kind of just killer projects 
that all somehow start from like a conversation or a relationship or some level of networking. Anyway, we work hard to find those opportunities and actualize them. It sounds like it. And what a neat opportunity. You just mentioned how things start with a conversation and a relationship. But do you find that in a smaller county office, relationships matter more? Or do you think it's just all the same across the board? How do you think your job might be different than your colleagues? You're on a roll. That's another great question. I Obviously, relationships matter across the board, equitably for this type of work. We're in education. We're in the relationship business, period. But I think the relationships are, they kind of take two different levels in rural communities. Obviously, the power of working in that small district with very few kids, the school is the hub of that community, period. That's where the fire de- volunteer fire department's going to meet. That's where all the social engagements for that small community are going to be held at. The school is the hub. And so those relationships are critical to the survival of all of those public organizations or public agencies or anything you need to do to survive as a community. The school is generally is what is the glue that brings folks together. So that's that kind of a relationship. Another kind of a rural relationship is leaning on each other for creative problem solving and the fact is that you know a lot of people that probably have diverse careers that you can harness the, the power of all of that in a very short amount of time with a lot less effort, perhaps, than in a larger setting to do some really uh, creative, innovative things. But the struggle with the other component of relationships is you have to make sure you're looking out past, I guess, what I called earlier, the Redwood Curtain, to make sure you're networking with areas outside of yours to, one, meet new people, discover new ideas. A lot of times when you're working with folks outside of your area, you also validate the tremendous work that you're doing and you've got to give yourself a pat on the back like, hey, we're doing great stuff. But also you bring new ideas into your rural world. So relationships take a lot of different forms for rural communities. I think that's the biggest difference is we have to be really thoughtful about reaching out and, and looking for those different networks that can help us and help us also in advocacy efforts. Now, when it comes to building networks, I know that your county office has developed a network of rural leaders and sort of a rural leader training program that you received some grant funding for. I'm sure listeners would love to sort of, one, know what this best kept secret of becoming a more competent, more effective rural leader is that's happening and how they might access it or get it connected. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, a few years ago, we did some research in the state of California and realized there wasn't specific leadership training for the position of a superintendent slash principal. And that really led us down the road of wondering why that was. And we kind of moved to a solution-based idea that we put together in some grant applications, and we were fortunate enough to be funded and created a program exactly for that, to train the superintendent slash principal when you, and when you think about that position, that is the jack of all trades for sure. You have to be the bus driver, the custodian, the, you know, this, the, that. And those districts have to complete all the same reporting requirements for the state as anybody else. They have to do the same assessments, the same everything, LCAP, you name it. They have to do it. So super demanding job. And what we wanted to do was put together curriculum from everything from board of governance, the importance of good partnerships with your board. What does that look like? to the utilization of technology, to networking with each other for uh, professional development links so that you're not alienated and isolated in your world. 
and you name it, but the power of those folks coming together to learn pretty standard and simple material. But I think most importantly, that down the road, they've picked up the phone and they can call each other and say, hey, Nicole, this is Chris. I've got this situation going on. Can you help me? And they know that, Nicole, you understand my issue because you understand the context of my work. And we hear stories all the time of the folks that have gone through our academy where they've built that kind of connectivity and relationships. And so that's really played off. So um, we will, we continue offering the program. If folks are interested in anything we're doing, they should certainly reach out to Humboldt County Office of Education. And I would be happy to connect into what we're doing with that. That's awesome. I feel like we have to just pause for a second and <laughs> like celebrate all the rural <laughs> leaders out there, all the superintendents <laughs> and principals. I, I don't want to keep picking on your district with eight students, but even <laughs> if you have 20 kids, you've almost got the same number of board members as you have students and add on that managing your board, doing an LCAP. Let's hope you don't have a WASC visit in the same year. And then all the plans that right now are required because of COVID, how are folks still standing or sleeping? I mean, these are superhumans. I I can't imagine how these folks are getting it all done. Yeah. You know, it's, it is incredible. Everybody's working super hard right now, though, from small to large districts, it's just a different type of work. They might have to do a lot of those things, but they have other dynamics that they're not having to deal with. So it's all a trade-off. It's just, and I think we all have to find the kind of work that we love at the end of the day and what brings us joy and what you find among rural leaders is a very similar approach and a very similar personality around the the power of that harnessing, that networking, but also the ability to work on your own and to be able to take responsibility for those types of things and just get it done. That's why at the county office, it's real important for us to realize their challenges and to be their um, fullback as much as possible and try to support them. And if we can leverage templates and help create, you know, documents that they can kind of some boilerplate work on and frankly, get through some of the bureaucracy for them, that's what we do. And so we look at the, the definition of improvement is eliminating hassle. So if we can do that for folks. We're improving every day. And we try to take that on the best that we can and, and to serve our small districts that way. I think That's what's unique about the state is all of our different agencies are supporting each other based upon our needs. And so we're super aware of what their needs are. And we we really work hard to leverage the resources we have to help make their jobs easier so they can focus on what's really most important. And that's our students and our children and the youth in our communities. And so that's what it's all about. I love the idea of improvement equals eliminating hassle. I feel like that should be a, a motto for all of us. What other tips and takeaways from the pandemic specifically do you have for leaders out there? Are there some other lessons learned, especially in your community, that you hope to bring forward when things are however they will be when, when they're not anymore the way they are. There's so many. Uh, I'll hit a couple that we are very conscious about taking time to show gratitude um, to our teams and to each other every day. And I think we have to constantly keep that in front of us, that it's really, really important to find those moments of excellence and those folks that are doing amazing work and just show gratitude towards one, one another. It's so easy to be hard on each other during these challenging times and to blame and use we, they language, but it's so much easier and fulfilling to focus on the hard work and cut each other a little bit of slack. So I think from a leadership perspective, that's what we're focused on doing is trying, trying to 
to harness that type of energy so that our teams can feel fulfilled and appreciated and get the recognition they deserve. But also we take time to, to recognize resiliency and the tenacity of what our communities are doing, being super aware of that, calling that out. And it's really inspirational when you see the amazing things folks are doing. One activity we did yesterday, I had a town hall a meeting with all the HCOE employees and it was after hours. So it's kind of whoever wanted to come came. And we did an activity where we asked people to identify all the silver linings in their work right now. So what are all the things that they're doing right now that are amazing that we don't want to forget? So for us, that's been really grounding from time to time to just stop and go, okay, what are all the things we've created right now and innovated that we should at least recognize and maybe consider keeping when this is all over? And so we did this Jamboard activity, which was super cool, where people would just put post-its on this basically corkboard, and we've got thousands of great ideas. People put from, uh, what was one? Somebody wrote, hey, I decreased my windshield time. I don't have to travel to Sacramento for all of my meetings. And so that's a big thing in rural communities. It's a five and a half hour drive to Sacramento, and you can imagine the number of meetings we need to go there for. And with Zoom, that's really been a huge lifesaver of time. And so people are calling that out, like, we're going to continue the Zoom meetings, right? And uh, decrease that time and increase our productivity to just around being flexible around their work environment and their schedules that people have really appreciated that. And when you think about tips, I think it would be always keeping children and youth first. That's our number one, maximizing the power of your teams and the relationships and the networks that we have. Branching out and learning from others outside of your immediate world, I think is really important. And then the last thing I'd say, Nicole, because I know I'm talking a lot, is around advocacy. And rural leaders really are the voice and the face for our communities. And we have got to, we owe it to our communities to tell our story to the decision makers. And in this case, in Sacramento, and we work really closely with our legislators, particularly right now, as they're working on some very, very important language that will impact our districts here and the type of instructional models they're using during this pandemic. Yeah. Gratitude, resilience, relationship, advocacy, they all resonate with me. And if there's sort of one request that you could make on behalf of the rural districts, like what do you want people out there to know? What do we all need to remember? Oh my gosh, that is a tough question. I know. You said advocacy. So that's where my mind went. It's like, what do we need to advocate for? What do we need to be aware of? Because we see our own schools and our own neighborhoods. And that's what we think the whole state is like. But as you mentioned, when we started, 30% Mm -hmm. of our kiddos are in rural settings. Listen, the bottom line is one size does not fit all. And we have to be thoughtful about when we're making important decisions, how it impacts all the constituents in that system. So if we're talking K-12, we have to be mindful of what does that truly mean across the state of California, within a region, or within a county. And the the issues that we face in rural communities for our students, the really difficult, tough issues, revolve around the issues of trauma. They revolve around the issues of mental health concerns. We have the highest level of adverse childhood experiences in the state of California in this county. Those are significant, and we can't just consider all of our students cookie cutter and they're doing the same types of things, right? And they have the same needs, they're not. So I think just a general principle is one size does not fit all. We have to look at the data. We have to take our time to make good decisions, go slow to go fast and be super thoughtful about the big decisions that we're making on behalf of all children in the state. Absolutely. And I love that message of having the flexibility to 
meet the needs of the kids right in front of you. And so thank you for everything that you're doing in Humboldt. Remind listeners again about the network that you've created for rural leaders in case they want to learn more. Yeah. So we have a superintendent principals Academy called CRISPA, California Rural Superintendent Principal Academy. And we have a new academy called CARLA, which is the same concept, but we're bringing networks of leaders where you might have a superintendent principal, you might have your lead custodian, bus driver, and teams, team leadership development. So if you come onto the Humboldt County Office of Education website, you can find all of those materials there. And we are very excited to work with anybody who is interested. Thank you for joining us from behind the Redwood Curtain. Uh, yeah, you remember. I did. I, there was a lot of learning in today's episode. I hope uh, all the listeners out there enjoyed hearing from you as much as I did. We were here with Dr. Chris Hartley, the superintendent of schools from the Humble County Office of Education. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. That was fun. Thank you for listening and thank you for making education better for For all of us. Leading Forward is a companion to the CCEE Field Guide for Accelerating Learning, Equity, and Well-Being. And produced by Copernicus Solutions. For more information, visit www.ccee-ca.org.